Amen. Thank you so much. I, I bless the Lord for this uh, humble privilege, the opportunity to open in God's word today. I want to especially thank God for uh, Dr. Rick, uh, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Dwight, and everybody at Simon Audio for the great work uh, that you're doing. We are really so blessed to have you. Uh, I greet everyone on the call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that, Lord, the entrance of your word giveth light and it gives understanding to the simple. Father, we are praying today that as we open your word at this time of meditation, God speak to us in a special way. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I want to um, ask us to turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 5 up to 6, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5 up to 6, and when you pray, you shall not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. So under our theme, the case for united prayer, allow me to bring to us a meditation that I've titled the spiritual discipline of prayer, the spiritual discipline of prayer. Oftentimes when we hear the word discipline, we immediately tend to think of pain, shame, beauty, or failure. This might be because our earthly fathers oftenly disciplined us in ungodly ways, which most likely has distorted our view of discipline. Nonetheless, we need to recognize that God disciplines us not out of bitterness or hate toward us, but because he loves us so. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, we are told that the Lord disciplines those he loves. In verse 11, we are also told that no discipline seems pleasant at the time but that it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Biblically, we, we see where God disciplined individuals. Now, I want to pick on David because David is one of the renowned uh, uh, figure uh, in, in, the, in the Bible history. And so David was disciplined by God on two uh, occasions, which have been so much uh, renowned to us. 
The first occasion was in First Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. Here we see Satan standing up against David, moving David to number Israel. And when David did that, because it was against the Lord's will, God came to David and told him to choose what God was going to do to him. He told him to choose from the three things, either three years of famine or three months of being swept away before his enemies or three days of the sword or plague from the Lord. We find this in First Chronicles 21 verse number 12. Now, later on, we see David choosing to be in the hands of the Lord, to fall in the hands of the Lord, the three days of famine or rather plague or sword from the Lord. Then the second instance where David was uh, disciplined was after the scene that he committed with Bathsheba and also the mother that he murdered Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. We are told in 2 Samuel chapter 12 from verse 18 that God decided to kill the child. The child that David had died as a result of the sin of David with Bathsheba. Now, this shows us that God can take what seems precious to us in a way of disciplining us. Now, we need to remember that he does not discipline us out of punishment, but out of his love for us in order to bring us out of sin and closer to himself. Now, today we are looking at the spiritual discipline of prayer. So on the other hand, spiritual disciplines, however, provides an opportunity for us to actively step towards God rather than having to feel his discipline to bring us back to him after or when we have wandered away from him. In the book of 1 Timothy, when Paul is writing to Timothy, he tells Timothy in chapter 4 about the great apostasy that was to come, the great falling away that was to come, and sadly is here now. Paul tells Timothy that he needs to be proven, a proven, worthy servant of God. And he was to do this by avoiding old women or worldly fables. In other ways, God or rather Paul was telling Timothy to discipline himself, to discipline himself through the life of godliness. However, among the many biblical spiritual disciplines that we have, I want us to know that prayer is one of the most resound. Prayer is a great spiritual discipline. And this is so because prayer has many motivations. Now today, because of time, I'll share only four motivations of prayer. The first motivation that we can see in prayer is fellowship or communion. Prayer is a way of fellowship or communion with God. Noticeably, the more we pray with the right heart and motives, the deeper we grow in relationship with God and a more meaningful prayer life. So we keep growing in prayer and our relationship, the more we pray, the more we grow in our relationship with God. 
in Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching about prayer, in verse 9, he says, as you pray, say our Father. So prayer is based on, or rather based from the place of relationship. So the more we pray, the more we grow in our relationship or communion with God. The second motivation of prayer is service. We are asked to pray. Even in First Thessalonians, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, chapter 4, verse 16. We are asked to pray in many instances in scripture. We are taught to pray also that the Lord will send the lepers in the harvest. In many instances, we hear the Lord motivating us or encouraging us to pray. Prayer is a spiritual service. The number three the other motivation of prayer number three is that prayer is also an act of worship. We worship God through prayer. We worship God through prayer. This is pointing us to the first point where we said prayer is about fellowship or communion with God. As we are praying, we are, we are worshiping God. We are in the act of worship before the Lord. Then number four, the fourth motivation of prayer we can look at is that prayer is an act of spiritual warfare, an act of spiritual warfare. We are told in Ephesians chapter 10, chapter 6 rather from verse 10, where the apostle says that we need to be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. Then later on in verse 18, he tells us to pray with all prayer. So among the armor that we need as spiritual uh, children of God, as believers, is spiritual warfare, which we do through prayer. Prayer is an act of spiritual warfare. We need to know that aggressive prayer yields effective results when facing spiritual battles. When we have a spiritual battle before us, when we have before us a challenge before us, as we in there will be positive results. There will be positive results whenever we engage in prayer. We are seeing Jesus in the book of uh, Mark casting out demons by prayer. So prayer is so effective as a weapon in spiritual warfare. Now, conclusively, in Matthew chapter 6, where we read from verses 5, we are being told by the Lord Jesus that when we pray, we should not be like hypocrites, for they want to show off. They want to be known. They want to be seen that these are the ones. But we are being motivated. We are being encouraged that true prayer will come from a heart, a heart of total surrender or yieldedness before God. And that as we pray our prayer in secret, the Lord who sees in secret will reward us openly. So even today on this united call, as we are praying, I would love us to know that our prayers will be rewarded. God will reward our prayers as we pray for the gospel advance, as we pray for the revival. The Lord will reward our prayers. He will answer our prayers. He has promised answers to our prayers. Thank you so much. May the Lord bless the mysterious word. Thank you.